Tonight is taking us from hubris. If you want to own the world, I can help you. You think I need help? To helpless. Are you bombing? <clears throat> For sure. I'm Jared Hall from Entertainment Weekly, and here's what to watch on Monday, October 23rd. We're counting down today's top three must-see picks from TV and movies. But first, your entertainment headlines. A trio of movie powerhouses, Martin Scorsese, Leonardo DiCaprio, and Robert De Niro, couldn't even stop Taylor Swift at the box office. The pop star's Eras Tour concert film topped the box office for the second weekend in a row, earning another $31 million. That takes its global total to $160 million. Scorsese, DiCaprio, and De Niro's new drama Killers of the Flower Moon, also starring Lily Gladstone, debuted in second, earning an estimated $23 million. The likely Best Picture Oscar nom is based on the book of the same name and centers on the murders of hundreds of Osage people in 1920s Oklahoma and the white people who swindled and killed them. In third place, The Exorcist Believer, which earned $5.6 million. Paw Patrol, the Mighty Movie, made another $4.5 million in fourth. And rounding out the top five is the 30th anniversary re-release of The Nightmare Before Christmas, which made $4.1 million. Speaking of re-releases, Crossroads, starring Britney Spears, Zoe Saldana, and Taryn Manning, is back in theaters today and Wednesday in honor of tomorrow's release of Spears' memoir, The Woman in Me. In a new interview with EW, the movie's director, Tamara Davis, recalls how she and Spears had to fight for the movie's PG-13 sex scene with a love interest played by Anson Mount. Davis says that the scene was one of the reasons the pop princess wanted to star in the movie in the first place, explaining, quote, she wanted to challenge that image that she's this forever virgin girl. The director adds, a kid would not know what the heck is going on. That was a fight I'm happy we won. Davis also revisits the movie's memorable musical moments and updates us on a potential sequel and whether the movie will be on streaming anytime soon. You can read that full interview at EW.com. And Emily Blunt is apologizing for an insensitive comment she made in a recently resurfaced interview. The Devil Wears Prada star received a bevy of online criticism this week in response to calling an American waitress enormous in a rediscovered Jonathan Ross show clip from 2012. In a statement to People magazine, Blunt said, quote, I just need to address this head on as my jaw was on the floor watching this clip from 12 years ago. I'm appalled that I would say something so insensitive, hurtful, and unrelated to whatever story I was trying to tell on a talk show. She continued, I've always considered myself someone who wouldn't dream of upsetting anyone, so whatever possessed me to say anything like this in that moment is unrecognizable to me or anything I stand for. And yet, it happened, and I said it, and I'm so sorry for any hurt I caused. I was absolutely old enough to know better. During that 2012 interview, Blunt recalled an experience in which she went out to eat at a local Chili's restaurant while shooting her film Looper. Host Jonathan Ross chimed in, if you go to Chili's, you can see why so many of our American friends are enormous. To which Blunt replied, Well, the girl who was serving me was enormous. I think she got freebie meals at Chili's. 
For more on all of those stories, plus other news, reviews, interviews, and more, head on over to EW.com. An exiled priest heads to a small Spanish town to escape his <clears throat> demons. Yes, we are finally returning to the world of 30 coins for our number three pick today. The long-awaited second season has finally arrived years after its 2020 debut. When we last visited the small town of Pedraza, most of the residents had been confined to a psychiatric hospital following the unexplainable demonic events of season one. Well, this season, Paul Giamatti joins the largely Spanish-language show, looking to control forces that probably shouldn't be meddled with. Here is an ominous moment from episode two as we get to know Giamatti's Christian Barbro, a man so evil even the devil is set to fear him. Next Tuesday, March the 20th, the spring equinox. The only moment until another 35 years pass when Saturn will be aligned with Jupiter. You didn't manage it before, and you won't manage it now. I know your disguises. That stone is only useful for one thing. I work for someone who doesn't want that to happen. Tell your boss if he wants to negotiate with me, he has to come in person. Well, he has a bad memory of it. Mm. Last time he came, he was crucified. He gets too involved. If you want to own the world, I can help you. You think I need help? Well, from the look of things, the situation has not drastically improved in Pedraza or anywhere in 30 coins. A new eight-episode season starts tonight at 10 on HBO and is streaming on Max. It's trivia time. Paul Giamatti has done just about everything from comedies to period pieces, anything in between. That includes a couple turns in live-action comic book movies. Now, many will remember his appearance as Rhino in The Amazing Spider-Man 2, but that wasn't his first comic book movie. In which film did Giamatti play his first comic book character? Blade, Dick Tracy, or American Splendor? Stick around for the answer. Our second seaworthy show today takes us to the Mediterranean for all the drama that normally sits below the surface. It's below deck Mediterranean, and this season's luxury yacht is on course to hit an emotional iceberg. Chief Steward Toomey's conflict with Natalia, who held the position temporarily, came to a head last episode in a fiery finish that did not resolve a whole lot. Stewards weren't the only ones working things out. The deckhands aren't too fond of their new crew member, Max. Their feelings about the lazy French deckhand came out in the episode's final moments. Unfortunately for Captain Sandy, those aren't the only problems on board in tonight's episode. Here's a preview. Good morning, Captain. <laughs> How are you? I feel like shit. Have a seat. You, are you vomiting? <clears throat> for sure. And like my throat's so sore that... As I back away. <laughs> yeah. I think I need to see a doctor. Okay, there's no doctor open today. So if you feel like you need to go to the emergency room and get checked out, we'll do that. Yeah. Let me work on this. Okay. Okay, thank you. Knowing that Jess is sick, you never know what it is. I don't want her infecting the crew. I need to get her off the vessel to go see a doctor. 
I hate this. I hate this. I hate this. I'm going to the hospital. Are you? Mm-hmm. Okay. Was that your stomach? Mm-hmm. Jess, we're getting you a car service to take you to the hospital, so you might want to get ready. Copy that. I'm ready now. Thank you. Let me know. I will. Does this get any easier? Like, now I have a crew member that's sick and down. So, Tumi and Natalia can't get along, and it looks like they're going to be down a crew member as Jess heads to the ER. It is going to be an interesting night when Below Deck Mediterranean airs at 9 on Bravo and streams tomorrow on Peacock. All right, folks, don't go anywhere. Our number one pick is coming up. What to Watch will be right back. Welcome back to EW's What to Watch. Today in entertainment history, on October 23rd, 1998, the film Pleasantville opened in theaters. The suburban dramedy starring Tobey Maguire, Joan Allen, Jeff Daniels, and William H. Macy held an interesting distinction at the time of its release. It reportedly featured more scenes that required digital effects than any film before it. That's because it begins in black and white and slowly introduces color to select characters and parts of the town as the movie rolls along. Because of that, it required color correction special effects through a whole lot of the movie. However, that special distinction didn't last long. It was surpassed by a return to Tatooine just a year later when George Lucas released Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. It's fight night on The Voice, our number one pick today. Last week, as battles began, two singers, Ephraim Owens from John Legend's team and Jackson Snelling from Reba's team, were eliminated. Tanner Massey of Niall Horan's team also lost his battle, but both Legend and Gwen Stefani put in a bid to steal the almost eliminated singer. Massey wound up joining Stefani and lives to battle another day. Tonight, the battles continue. Bias and Jackie Rohr will be the first pair to duke it out from Team Gwen. Here is a preview of the tough decision facing Stefani after the pair sang Jelly Rolls Need a Favor. Decision. All right, Gwen, you've got the final decision. Before we find out the winner, give us your thoughts on the battle. Bias, your unbelievable character of just who you are is so strong. It's really hard, like John said, to just keep my eyes off of you. I'm so curious about you. You're just so weird and, like, cool. And I really didn't think during lines that you had the vocal that you have. And even from rehearsals, you took it to another level. And Jackie, you're everything. You're beautiful, right? You have so much confidence. Your voice can do everything. You're singing country, but you could sing anything. I told all these coaches, I said, you guys got to help me on this one because I'm so confused. And we're kind of split. We're we splits. are split. You guys are split. We're split. It's an impossible decision, Gwen, but the time has come. Who is the winner of this battle? I'm going to go with my heart right here. And I'm going to say the winner of this battle, Carson. Oh, and we are going to cut it off right there, leave you hanging a little bit. But to find out who wins this and the rest of tonight's battles, you'll have to watch The Voice at 8 on NBC or streaming tomorrow on Peacock. Trivia. 
And finally today, the answer to our trivia question. In which film did Paul Giamatti play his first comic book character, Blade, Dick Tracy, or American Splendor? Well, Giamatti played Cleveland's own Harvey Picar in American Splendor, a biopic about the autobiographical comic book writer. The film famously opens with the infamously surly Picar, the real one, introducing viewers to Giamatti's Picar, saying, Here's our man. Yeah, all right. Here's me. The guy playing me anyway. Though he don't look nothing like me, but whatever. And that is it for our show today. We will have more news and must-see picks for you tomorrow, so be sure to follow or subscribe to What to Watch so you don't miss our daily recommendations, more of which can be found at EW.com. I'm executive editor Jared Hall. You can find us on Twitter at EW and at Jared Hall. Thanks for listening, and have a great day. This episode of What to Watch was written by Dustin Nelson and EW staff, edited by Sammy Junio, produced by Alamin Johannes, and hosted and produced by Jared Hall. One, two.